Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. We're going to do some Bible teaching time. If you need a copy of God's Word, put a hand up. A volunteer is going to bring you a Bible right now. If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Go ahead and take it home. It is yours. I promise I'm not checking the score. My sermon notes are here. Pinky swear. If you've been with us the last three weeks, you know that we are doing a four-week series through the core values of the church. What is it that makes us who we are? Trivia time. Who can tell the rest of the room the very first core value of ARCF? Find my prayers. Now, those are the value statements. Connect in authentic relationships. It's all right, guys. We've got 30 more years to, to dial this down. It's all right. Who can tell the second core value? Grow in Christian maturity. The third that we preached on last week is? Serve God and others. Serve God and others. Awesome. We're well on our way. We're well on our way. Today is go tell people about Jesus. That doesn't make a Christian nervous whatsoever. Oh, no. They're going to open the Bible and tell me I've got to tell somebody about Jesus, but that's like the scariest, worst thing ever in the whole wide world because Western culture puts you on blast the minute you tell them they might be possibly wrong about anything at all, ever. Anybody have any good abiding friendships with somebody who can never be wrong? (laughs) If you're forced to. (laughs) Well, I gave birth to him, so... (laughs) Right? It's hard for a relationship to thrive, isn't it? It's hard for a relationship to thrive when somebody can never be wrong. And yet, Western Christianity finds ourselves in a place where whatever I have chosen to believe is inherently true for me and you can't tell me otherwise. So everything's offensive, right? Here's the sermon before the sermon if you love Jesus. Are you ready? ready. The sovereign Holy Spirit who smashes through hearts of stone and give hearts of flesh is not intimidated by Western culture. Do you think the Holy Spirit was sweating when Saul of Tarsus was on his donkey on the way to Damascus? Oh no, how am I going to save him? This is a tough nut to crack. No, you're going to write a few books of the Bible. Let's go. That's how sovereignty works. God gets what he wants. He'll take a terrorist, a religious terrorist, who's planning the next bombing and saying, hey, you look a lot like the next evangelist for the Eastern Mediterranean. Let's go. So I say that sort of rebuke to all of us who love Jesus, but also an encouragement. It is critical that as we seek to tell friends and neighbors and loved ones about the love of Jesus Christ, it's critical that we study the culture and know what those barriers are because sometimes those barriers inform the Christian. How do we communicate in a way that's clear or winsome and makes sense in the culture? Sometimes we find out the cultural barrier. Just, are you ready? What, like, why, why do they introduce a bad guy in a Tom Cruise movie? Tom Cruise isn't going to die. This guy's going to be toast. You know it. Sometimes you see the cultural barrier just to figure out, oh, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to smash to save my friend. You just know it in advance. You're seeing in advance what God is going to 
utterly lay waste on his way to seeking and saving the lost. So we're talking today about go tell people about Jesus. We're gonna be all over the scriptures. Um, If you like taking notes, go ahead and if you've got a pen or a pencil and you wanna write this in the margin of your Bible or on your bulletin, uh, I'm gonna say three things and then we're gonna get out of here. If you're a regular, you know that was basically a lie. So um, I'm gonna say three things. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is the only way to reconciliation with God. That's offensive, Greg, too bad. Um, Three, ARCF will play a role in reconciliation to God if it's the last thing we do. That's it. And some of you actually see the pen moving, so I'm gonna say those one more time. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is the only way to reconciliation with God. And ARCF will play a role in reconciliation to God if it's the last thing we do. Okay, Genesis 12. You can flip with me if you want. If you're new to the Bible, you can just trust me because they're taking an offering later and I'm getting a private jet. So everything's gonna be fine. Uh, Genesis 12. One of those churches, huh? Okay. So God in his sovereignty and in his sense of humor finds a moon-worshiping pagan named Abram, an Iraqi, and says, come follow me because that's where every God story starts, the least likely place. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, everything that's familiar to you, right? Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. He says this to an old man who's childless. That's pretty awesome. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. What? So, in the dark places of your heart where you would like to say, well, Jesus loves everybody, but they, I mean, come on now, let's be realistic. Whoever you want to exempt from the love of God right now, God does not exempt. Some of you, I swear, we're gonna get to heaven. You're gonna look around and go, she's a Democrat. (laughs) Some of you, we're gonna get to heaven and go, but he was a Baptist. Some of the lines that we draw that don't necessarily have anything to do with a bloodied cross and an empty tomb, we get so wrapped around the axle, just for sure. There's no way they'll love Jesus or there's no way they ever will love Jesus. We have our lines that we draw and we see it in the gospels. We're not the first ones to draw lines. But well before Jesus came, this promise comes from the father to Abram. I am going to bless all the families of the earth through you. Every ethnos, every tribe, tongue, and nation, the gospel's gonna go out to every corner of the earth. Hmm. Take a look with me at Isaiah 56. Just in case you think that Genesis 12 was a one-off.
Isaiah 56. This is what the Lord says. This is about 800 years before Jesus. Be just and fair to most people. Did I read it right? Oh, be just and fair to all. Do what is right and good, for I am coming soon to rescue you and to display my righteousness among you. We talked about that last week. We are saved to serve. I'm gonna rescue you and display my righteousness through you, among you. Blessed are all those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let the eunuchs say, I am a dried up tree with no children and no future. Let me remind you, if you're young and you're not sure what the word eunuch means, a eunuch is a man who used to be happy, okay? <laughs> so, but in, in, in ancient Jewish culture, where a, where a son is everything, your, your future and like a sign whether God blessed you, um, and a lot of eunuchs, frankly, in the ancient world didn't choose that position, so this is a horribly abused person in a way that is, uh, you know, the Levitical law said they weren't allowed to enter the presence of God because their body had been mutilated. So like God is telling us in Isaiah 56, those who aren't allowed in will be. Don't allow them to say that to themselves. I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the one I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. So are you seeing that you do not have to be ethnically Jewish to devote yourself to Yahweh and worship him? You see, again, 800 years before Jesus. So all of the ethnocentrism, all of the racism of Israel looking down on everyone who's not ethnically the same as them, Yahweh's calling the shot ahead of time. No, all nations, all peoples, don't, don't say they're not allowed to come. Verse seven, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Who remembers Jesus getting ticked off, fashioning a whip and clearing out the temple and quoting this verse? The court of Gentiles, the outer court, where everybody who's not ethnically Jewish, that's where they're supposed to be allowed to come and pray. And instead, the racist Jews had set up booths to sell sheep and doves. We don't need you. We don't need to give you any space to come and worship God. We don't care if you, literally, we don't care if you go to hell. You don't look like me. And God was furious. The one time in scripture where God fashions a whip is when the people of God think we're all supposed to look alike. And took the court of the Gentiles, the non-Jews. By the way, mathematically speaking, you're probably all Gentiles. So this is us. 
Our one shot to worship Yahweh is this outer court and it's been filled with filthy animals and the stuff that comes out of filthy animals. In a culture where they oftentimes pray on their face, you're not really invited to pray if there's animal dung on the floor, is there? This is, this is horrible treatment that Jesus dealt with. Like when we see Jesus fashion a whip, he wasn't just having a bad day. He didn't just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. He's watching one group push all the other groups away from the grace and mercy of God that would save them. Any loving father would be ticked. Verse eight, for the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others to besides my people Israel. 800 years before Jesus, this is what he's telling us. I'm so glad that God's love is for everybody, that his gospel is for everybody. Gospel, if you're new to church, it's just a good news declaration that humanity, though rightly condemned by our rebellion against God, we have been declared right by faith. If we put our trust in the cross of Christ, he died the death that I should have died. And I now get to live in heaven the life that he earned. That, is, that message is the gospel and that gospel is for everybody. It is for all peoples and that is good news. So let me ask you, church, if the gospel is for everybody, how does that inform the American discussion about race? Because I keep pushing, the reason I keep incessantly bringing up politics is because politics might be the most followed religion in America, and I'm here to destroy that. You're welcome. I don't care which party you're in, your party is not allowed to be your deity if you're calling yourself a Christian. So let me ask you a question. Why does it sound right now like the Democratic Party has cornered the market on we care about people who are a different color than us. Why, why do they get to claim that like it's theirs? No, this is 2,800 years old. We were here first. We were here first. Slavery, the transatlantic slave trade was abolished by Christians in British Parliament a little over 200 years ago. And not cute Christians with their Bible study and their neat little coffee and their, no, angry Christians. Fashion a whip Christians. We were here first. No party gets to claim something like we invented it if God already spoke a long time ago. God's love is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. The only way to stiff arm the love of God is your own individual free will. God allows you to choose him or to reject him. How tragic when we reject him. But nobody else can keep God's love out. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, Republicans or Democrats, nobody can stop the love of God from getting to me. And that's good news. Second, the offensive part. That was the, the offensive part? The gospel is the only way to reconciliation with God, period. And that's not bigoted. What is bigoted is when I come up to a holy God whose presence would incinerate me, 
right? Don't even let the goats come up onto the mountain as I'm giving the, the 10 commandments to Moses. When I come up to a holy God and say, I'm really not that bad and I deserve five or six different ways toward redemption because I said, that is intense arrogance on my part. We can't even see arrogance for what it is because that sin is self-blinding. I really think I'm a big deal. And yeah, I mean, come on, I'm a big deal. <laughs> Why can't everybody get, get onto the program with me? I'm a pretty moral person. If I even believe in heaven or hell, if I even believe in that, I'm not that bad of a person. God shouldn't be angry with me. All of these are judgment statements that I only have the right to make. Are you ready? If I am sitting on the throne of the cosmos, I'm the only, right? You have to sit on that throne to make those kind of statements. It should be this way. It has to be this way. This is what's right. This is what, everything out of my mouth is judging God. And I'm not telling you that to smack you around. I'm telling you that because if you're judging God right now, this might be a barrier the Holy Spirit's removing today. Maybe if it clicks in your brain and clicks in your heart, oh, you know what? Actually, when I make those statements, I am, I am kind of presuming that I have the right to make them. What if, if there's a God, then maybe I don't have the right to make that statement. Yikes. Maybe I've been a little bit big for my britches and I didn't even realize it, right? So I deconstruct to serve you. I know it doesn't feel that way. When you're getting kicked in the shins, you're like, how oh, is this for my good? <laughs> Only. And I've said before in this church, but in case you're new, I'm gonna repeat it. Nobody who fights with cancer for two, three, four years, you're coming to the end of the doctor saying, there's nothing more we can do. And your doctor frantically calls you up and say, we found a cure. What? We found a cure. You don't even have to worry about the money. I've got the pill in my hand. Come down to the doctor's office. You take the pill and you're gonna be fine. Nobody ever ever, ever would say, doctor, that's so narrow-minded for you to only offer me one cure. <laughs> no one would ever say that, okay? The reason a cancer patient could, be, could lose their mind in joy and in gratitude is because they've had a long time to wrestle with the reality of their situation and Western culture has you drunk on the idea that you're a good person. You have no idea that God is not just angry at a school shooter. He's angry at your self-reliance. We have to get to know God to know what offends him. If you don't know him, you're not gonna know what offends him. My, my self-righteousness of I'm a pretty good person is so offensive to a God who sent his son to be murdered on my behalf. Me thinking I'm a good person tells the God who gave up more than anyone in the cosmos has ever given up. That was a stupid move on your part. The cross was stupid. I don't need it because I'm awesome. So imagine a good moral life. You're a good person who thinks you're a Christian. You're a good person who's sitting in your pew every week as a Mormon. You're a good, devout uh, Jew. You're a good, devout Muslim. Like you're a legitimately kind, moral person and everyone thinks you're a good citizen and your life is a filthy stench to God. If you think I'm making that up, that's the Pharisees of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're good people and that's why they're so arrogant and they can't see their arrogance because they do have really good behavior. 
They give a lot of money. They go on mission trips. They memorize Bible verses. They do a lot of stuff. They just haven't been memorizing the verses that say your righteousness is filthy rags. The very best that we have to offer is filthy rags. We're going to need to put something up on the altar other than what I have to offer. Something's got to go up there better than me. Something. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's start at verse 6. Acts 1 6. So, when the apostles were with Jesus, Jesus has just been tortured, betrayed, tortured, crucified, raised the third day. He's about to ascend into heaven. So, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Okay, that cross thing was cool, but when do we grab a sword? No, I'm serious. The whole raise from the dead, that was awesome. That's all, I'm holding on to your rookie card, Jesus. Could you sign it, by the way? That was really cool, but I, I'm missing the boat. I'm not realizing that you just transformed the cosmos from the foundation up. I, I can't see it still. Are we going to grab swords yet? I haven't punched any Romans in like months, Lord, and it just, it's kind of an itch. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about good moral ideas everywhere. In Jerusalem, no, did I read that wrong? No? Let me try again. Uh, Let's see here. You'll receive Holy Spirit, the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about self-help books everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea. No? He says the word me, and that's singular. There's only one me, right? Jesus is talking about himself. That seems really narrow-minded. But what if it's true? If your doctor says there's one path forward, you could get upset that there's one path forward, but what if your doctor's right? None of you thinks that I'm a bigot when I tell you you're gonna have to keep breathing oxygen. If you don't keep breathing oxygen, it's gonna go bad for you. None of you thinks I'm a jerk when I say that. You only blast people when they speak truth you don't like. That's the only time you blast. As long as I agree with it, I'm not going to blast you. And now we understand MSNBC and Fox News. Are we going to get blasted today? I don't know. Are we going to tell them what they want to hear? Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5.18. 5.18. Paul, a first century pastor, is speaking. And all this is a gift from God. What's all this? You're going to have to go study. Is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Only one way that he brought us back to himself? So Paul's narrow-minded too. 
And God has given us, he's talking to the church now, this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. So you see, you receive a message, and therefore that makes you an ambassador. You're not an ambassador of Christ if you don't know the gospel yet, right? If you sit in your pew every week, do good, do good, do good. I'm gonna really work hard. I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be good. You're not an ambassador of Christ yet. You're an ambassador of moralism. A Christian sits in this pew to praise a God who has already served me. He already died for me while I was still rebelling against him. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Again, Paul's really clear. One way of being made right with God. Culturally offensive, but is it logical for that to be offensive? The only reason for me to be offended by this is that I just don't want it to be true. That's actually the only reason. I just don't want it to be true. The gospel's for everyone. The gospel is the only way to reconciliation with God. And ARCF will play a role in reconciliation to God if it's the last thing we do. Okay, I wanna tell you a story. I don't even know the name of the church, so they, get to, they don't get the glory. But man, this pastor, um, I couldn't help but respect him. There was a pastor, I wanna say he was at least 60, but I'm not sure. There was a pastor who had done his very level best to get a spirit of evangelism and outreach into his church. And he just felt like he had hit a wall and he was feeling more and more of a burden for the next generations that he didn't have a lot of connection with. And so he went to his board and he said, guys, we need to have a, a very no holds bar approach toward evangelism. Like people need to know Christ. We need to be willing to do anything. So he said, I'm, I'm asking no matter how much it scares you, he went to his board and said, I want permission to do anything for evangelism and outreach, telling people of the God who created them and who loves them, anything short of sin. Like if you cannot prove to me from the Bible that it's sinful, I want you to allow it, period. Right? You can you just imagine the, all the potential fears? We've never done it before. That, maybe that's expensive. Maybe, ah, okay, well, what if it fails, Right? And his board agreed with him. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We haven't baptized anybody in a while. We need to try something. And so they gave the pastor, they unanimously voted and said, you can do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what that pastor did? He went to a 25-year-old in his congregation and he said, I see your heart to bring the gospel to your friends and to your generation. I am putting you in charge of missions and evangelism for this entire church. And you don't report to me. All you do is whatever you believe will work to get a clear gospel to people. The only thing you're not allowed to do is sin. He took the entire commission that he had received from the board and he handed it to a 25-year-old that clearly loved Christ. Right? You don't hand something to a 25-year-old just because of their age, right? 
This will all end in tears. There was a young person who clearly loved Christ and they handed all of missions and all of evangelism to the young buck and said, don't run your ideas past us, just do it. As long as it's not sin, do it. Because he had a pastor who's in his 60s with the humility to say, I've already tried everything I know how to try. Guys, that's where humility and tenacity kiss. We're gonna be a part of reconciling God and man if it's the last thing we do. We're gonna have to try some stuff. It's not gonna be easy. It sure won't be comfortable, definitely not culturally. So if you love Jesus and you call ARCF your church home, I'm gonna tell you to do five things. Here's the practical part before we wrap up. Again, if you're a notes person, I'll repeat these. I want you to explain, I want you to pray, I want you to invite, I want you to send, and I want you to become. I'm gonna repeat those. Explain, pray, invite, send, and become. I hope I didn't miss anything, but I think this, is, this list is comprehensive of gospel proclaiming behavior. Number one, explain the gospel to friends and family. Do you guys know you have relationships that nobody else has? Just tell them who Jesus is. But I don't know the formula. There is no formula. You're telling somebody about a person. Nobody in this church has ever, ever thought they had to have a five-point list to tell everyone who Emily Kaiser is. If there was a point, it's like, listen, this is why we tolerate Pastor Greg. Trust me, as soon as you meet her, you're gonna understand everybody loves Emily. Like, it's just not that complicated. And I, I don't wanna bag on evangelistic programs, but I, I do wanna tell you, Satan loves telling you that you're not enough. Has Satan ever told you, Greg, you're not uh, smart enough to invite your friends to Leatherby's? Satan never told you that one? No, because I don't, I don't know that Leatherby's threatens his kingdom. <laughs> Explain the gospel to your friends and family. This is normal Christian behavior. This is not, oh, I have the gift of evangelism. No, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in season and out of season. Second, pray for God to save. If you're a regular, you've heard me beat this drum a lot. It is the Holy Spirit who changes a heart. So while you proclaim, you pray. Those go together. You go together. They go together. Third, invite people to Sunday service or reading the Bible. If you have a friend who's asking spiritual questions, I want you to say this. Are you ready? And if this is you, if you're kicking the tires of the Christian faith, this is my invitation to you. Ready? If I bought you a Bible, would you read it? Good, I'm glad you did that. If I bought you a Bible, would you read it? You know your relationship with that friend. You know whether you've had spiritual conversations. You know whether they've shown any amount of openness. Would you read it? Would you come on Sunday? 
Sometimes the easiest way to get around our insecurities, oh, I can't explain everything, I can't answer, is just bring somebody to a place where you know the Bible's gonna be taught. The early church did this. They knew Peter was preaching in Solomon's colonnade every day. So if you weren't super confident in your ability to explain or answer somebody's questions, you well, come hear Peter preach the steps of the colonnade. So that's why the, the third call to action, invite, explain, pray, invite. And the last two, you have to do one of these two. You don't get out of it. Send missionaries or become a missionary. Send missionaries or become a missionary. Um, J.D. Greer, pastor of a church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, their church, and mind you, they're a really big church, so it's easy to go, oh, well, they can do all kinds of things. Per capita, if you knock a few zeros off of the size of our church or any other church, per capita, they send more high schoolers on 10-day mission trips than any other Southern Baptist church on planet Earth. And if you know the Southern Baptists, they're all about their missions. Um, and overall, they send more college students to go serve in the international field for two years after college than any other church in uh, Southern Baptist missions. So this church cares deeply about finding our young folks who, who might have a calling toward long-term missions. They care very, very deeply. And he always says this, you've got three options as a Christian. Go, send, or disobey. Was that clear enough? Go, send, or disobey. So to those of you that I wanna call you to send, this means praying that God will raise up missionaries from our midst. This means brushing up on your own church history so that you can tell the stories of God. You know, not all the stories of God ended at the, at the end of Revelation, right? God's still moving even though it's not canon, right? We need to know the story of Hudson Taylor so we can tell a 17-year-old the story of Hudson Taylor, 17-year-olds are just foolish enough to think maybe I should go to another country for 30 years, learn the language and translate the Bible into their language so they can know God. You and I have excuses for that kind of stuff. 17-year-olds don't. Do we love God enough to cast vision into the life of our own children that they might get on a boat and that we might not see them again? How much do we love God? Because Abraham said goodbye to his son and we hold him up like a hero. But then we hear about a mission trip that our, our kid wants to go on and we go, oh, is it, is it safe over there? Safe isn't the core value in the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. Safe is knowing your creator. You're not safe until then. Are they safe? Your daughter wants to go because they're not safe. You send by encouraging, telling God's stories, training and equipping if you've got experience in missions. You send by get, getting into your own pocket when the time comes. Maybe if you're more of a teach a man to fish, if we had a young buck who wanted to go on a trip next summer and you don't wanna give him money, you have a lawn. I have a lawnmower. I'll let a young buck borrow a lawnmower and just go around to all you guys' lawns. And then boom, he's on a mission trip next summer. That's fine. We tell God stories, we encourage, we pray for, we finance, we train, we equip. Oh, you're gonna need to, you're gonna need to know Romanian to go there. I know Romanian. I didn't just call, totally call certain families out. <laughs> you're gonna need to know Spanish to go there. I know Spanish, let me teach you Spanish. Or go, be the one, like, 
that that's not actually as sexy and attractive as it seems. You're gonna do a lot of hard work culturally and linguistically. You're gonna have to humble yourself because Pastor Greg's gonna train you on how to ask for money. Explain the gospel to your friends and family. Pray for God to do what only God can do in salvation. Invite a friend to where the gospel is gonna be shared. Send missionaries, become a missionary. I thought all week, I really think those five are the five. By all means, email me if I forgot one. Brothers and sisters, there's the path. This is how we put our foot down, get a little bit angry, Holy Spirit angry, and we put our foot down and say, ARCF's gonna be a part of God and man being reconciled if it's the last thing we do. Life is short, hell is hot, forever is a long time. Hmm? Call me a liar. We got work to do and we have a Holy Spirit who's empowering us who has never, ever, ever known defeat. So when you already know the end of the story, can you fight with a little more gusto? That's right. Brothers and sisters, I do not want to walk into heaven no matter how precious Jesus' face is and it is. I do not want to walk into his presence alone. I want to bring a crowd. Do you want to bring a crowd? See, if you don't want to bring a crowd, you don't have anybody in your life that you love. There's no way that's true. So we all want to bring a crowd. I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, for those of us who have not yet believed your gospel, I ask you to teach it and clarify it and help it to sink down into our soul that we might believe for the very first time. God, for those of us who already love you, we confess, Lord, that we too often, Lord, have, even if we regularly are in your word, we've we've too often not seen that you're a sovereign God who's pushing back dark with the light. And this is redemptive history and we're a part of it. And uh, God, I ask you to make us hungry to be on the front lines. God, make us hungry so that we will tell third grader stories of Adoniram Judson so that we'll tell fifth graders, show them how the Holy Spirit through church history always gets his way. So we'll tell ninth graders, yes, you can go on this seven-day trip next summer, that we can tell a 22-year-old fresh out of college, you wanna go spend 30 years there? We're gonna help you. God, we confess that our faith is weak and we repent. You've been doing big things for a very, very long time and you've been using broken people like us, Lord. We wanna be a part. Help us to be Holy Spirit selfish where we get to be on the front lines and we get to be a part. We get to proclaim, we get to share, we get to clarify, we get to pray with folks. We get to serve. Holy Spirit, we need your filling and we need your leadership so that we'd be courageous in our obedience.
you're so kind to invite us into the movement of the kingdom expanding. We do not deserve, what a privilege to be ambassadors, Lord. We don't deserve it. So wake us up and get us up and move us. For your glory, for the blessing of all nations and for our joy. In the saving name of Jesus, we pray. God's people said, amen. Amen. We have an announcement video today. Awesome. And I'm gonna share one more thing after this. Well, good morning, ARCF family. I've got three announcements for you today, and the first and the second one are all about fireworks. Yep, we are about to get our pow peddling on. What is a pow peddler, you ask? Well, it is defined as one who has the task of selling celebratory explosives to the general public. You know, peddling pals. And since the 4th of July is right around the corner, our fireworks booth benefiting both your ARCF youth group and worship team is going to be open right here on the ARCF campus a week prior to Independence Day. Now, in order for the fireworks booth to be successful, we need pal peddlers. Each day is broken up into different shifts, so if you are willing and able to help out and sign up for a shift or two, then please make sure you head to the sign-up table in the back of the worship center and sign up for one today. Or you can head over to myarcf.com forward slash fireworks to sign up. And the dates that the fireworks booth is going to be open is from Tuesday, June 28th through Monday, July 4th. And speaking of fireworks, I am sure that all of you are ready to see some of them in action. And if that's the case, then we have an opportunity for you at our annual Family Fireworks Night. Our Fireworks Night is going to be scheduled for Wednesday, June 29th. The evening is going to be kicked off at 8 p.m. with some live music, food, and lawn games. Then at 9 p.m., we're going to kick off the fireworks portion with sparklers for the kids and then an awesome show with some of the items that we are selling at our TNT fireworks booth. It is going to be a blast, pun intended. So make sure you bring your lawn chairs or blankets to sit on the grass and enjoy the show. And don't forget to invite a friend or two. Now your last announcement is about family camp. I know I mentioned it before, but well, repetition is the key to communication. That's right. Repetition is the key to communication. So in case you missed it, the Northern California Church of God District is going to be hosting its annual family camp from July 11th through the 15th at Diamond Arrow in beautiful Nevada City. This is a great opportunity to spend some time with your family out in God's creation and also have the opportunity to meet some friends from across the district. There will be daily activities such as basketball, football, kids activities, rock wall climbing, rope courses, and more. And of course, there will be rich content from the speakers throughout the week on topics like missions, marriage, parenting, and more. So if you're interested in more information or you'd like to sign up for Family Camp, then please make sure you head over to the district website listed below to get all of your information. Again, Family Camp is going to be held from July 11th through the 15th at Diamond Arrow in Nevada City. And don't forget, repetition is the key to communication. All right, church family, that's all I've got for you. As always, please make sure you grab yourself a bulletin, read it left to right, front to back, for more events and more information. So I lied to you. I said I had one more thing, and then like this list grew right in front of my face. So real fast. Um, Pastor Rhodes is in poor health right now. If you'd like to join a little impromptu prayer meeting in the library, after I dismiss, we're gonna pray for Rhodes in the library. Secondly, if you're available Saturday morning at 10 a.m., we're kind of doing our decorating blitz. Is it primarily decorating? So we're getting ready Saturday morning 
uh, in here and in the children's wing as well, getting ready to kick off uh, Bible day camp. So if you've got um, an hour or two that you could uh, jump in with us on Saturday morning, we will be here and make things really awesome and exciting to get ready to welcome kiddos. Third, and I left this up on purpose, there were a couple of fellas who shall remain nameless. We were in the middle of a project yesterday and we ran into snafus. The snafus have been overcome. Everything's okay now. We have the anchors that we need. If you're even halfway handy, would you please jump in here after I dismiss and help? We're, we literally just have a few anchors on either side, a little curtain rod. This, you can't tell, but it's very close to being done to have our core values and our vision statements up about which I'm really excited. Would you thank the Kennedys for designing and ordering banners for us? They are awesome. And now, would you clap? Would you clap for yourself? Because you're about to put these banners up. Thank you so much. Uh, we really are very close, and everything's there um, to, to do. Are you going to lead the way? Okay, awesome. So, um, so if two or three guys could pound that out real quick, it's very close to being done. Prayer meeting in the library, Saturday at 10 a.m. Yeah. All right. I love you guys. Have a great week.